Hey folks, we're back. Joined here again by Libby Bacalar. Hey Libby. Hi, how are you? Pretty good. We're here at the uh, the Driftwood. Hashtag not creepy. <laughs> this is a, this is a classy joint. We thought about I was gonna do the public lounge in the Capitol, but it seems to be bustling right now over there. So yeah, and plus I'm in jeans and I didn't want to get dressed up. So right, this is perfect. This is perfect. This is where I've been living for the last almost four months. So. You're near the Sandpiper, though. Uh, and and that little. Thibodeau's or two, whatever it's called. The, you can get your omelets and your booze in one right, or two blocks. With, with, and, and there's Zen. And the Zen. Chinese place. I haven't been there. Very so. good food. Oh, all right. I haven't ever been there. So that's good to know. So you were a little bit in the news last week. You had a fundraiser. We did. The ACLU had a fundraiser. Yep. The ACLU had a fundraiser um, for their organization in general. They're not permitted to raise money for specific cases, but... Um, since I'm here and they had people here in town, um, they figured they would put together something and um, Amalga. at Amalga. And yeah, lots of people came out. Uh, we had a really good time, lots of donations. And, uh, I got some pictures. There are some pictures. My yeah. only problem with Amalga is you can only have two drinks. I know. You get the, the stamp. Because of the license, whatever, with the distillery. And... Yeah, I don't understand all those regulations, but I do know that that's one of the rules. It's still, it's like my favorite bar in Juneau. Yeah, it was and, a cool place. And it's really nice that they offered their space to host that. So So you've um you're still active on the social media. I gotta say the thing that made me I mean, your stuff makes me laugh a lot. But actually a comment you just made, I, I p- took a picture or there's a sign in the state office building and it's like the governor, lieutenant governor, and it's but like the way it's written is you, you can't tell if they're thanking the state employees or if the state employees should be thanking them. Have you seen that? <laughs> yes, I've seen so, it. So, so I put the picture of it, and you you, you put, I, got, I think it got more likes than my actual post. You put terms and conditions apply. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. Terms yeah. and conditions do apply. Very, very, very funny. I try and rein myself in when it comes to that, but, you know, was, I'm that not. Was, that was pretty humorous. I'm not great at reining myself in in general. But you, you made me laugh very hard a few weeks ago. So there's this whale, this beluga whale, these Norwegians found. That's a Russian spy. That's yeah. Was wearing a harness that was apparently property of St. Petersburg, and we Americans do this. We have dolphins that um, are trained to find mines. And actually, Senator Sullivan, we did a podcast, and he told me a story um, years ago. They were doing a, like a military training, and I think it was Sitka, and they were going out. They were trying to swim to the ship to see if the, you know, the the dolphins would like en- engage them. Yeah, because they they want to for like mines or for like torpedoes. I guess, or anyway, so like they try to do it, and then um, the dolphin would like you know hit him, and they would like alert the navy, right? Except when they went back, um, nobody was able to get to the ship. But then when they tried it, the dolphin sh- came came to him. They had a light on them, but then they they ran away, or, or they swam away real quick. And the navy was like, "Oh, try it again." Like something ha- something happened, right? So they came, they tried it again. They got to the ship again. The dolphin swam away, and then they all started freaking out. And what they realized was there was a pod of orcas circling, like the dolphins were freaking out because there was like orcas. Uh-huh. And they, they were like, get the dolphins, get the dolphins, the Navy. And then afterwards, Sullivan was like, what about us? <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, we, you know, he's like, well, we trained these things. But anyway, so this whale, um, you put this post and you said, like, do you have Compromat on me? <laughs> I don't know why, but I just Baby laughed. Baby beluga so- in the deep blue sea. Do you have Compromat on me? I just, I just could not stop laughing. <laughs> Yeah, that's the first I heard of a 
a whale being deputized as a Russian spy, but that's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I think, we, so we use dolphins, I don't know what else, but I, mean, I know with Americans, I know we use dolphins. They I train had, them, and they, uh, oh, it's been going on for years. I had no idea. It's legit. No, no idea that there was a whole dolphin unit in the CIA. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm not making it up. Yeah, Sullivan told me all about it. I wonder where they recruit them from, like SeaWorld? Uh, yeah, do they get them in the wild, I wonder, or do they raise them? I don't know. That's a good question. I know it's a very expensive training program. Oh, I'm sure it is. But I think it's for like they, they, they look for mines, and I think they have lights and can. And I think they also try to find. I guess it wouldn't be a torpedo because that's going too fast. But they, they like they use them to like do search, search and. I'm not sure if it's search and destroy or. Amazing! I'm sure animal rights groups aren't into that. I'm I guessing. could see some. Yeah, I could probably see some opposition to that. I could see some pushback on that. I'm pretty sure that I don't think they're like kamikaze dolphins though i think they're just using them to get well i mean the beluga kind of went awol so anything could happen well with i just guys. read that the beluga now it won't leave so it's basically defected <laughs> that's what i mean they're, they're, you they're... lose control of your assets I mean, it must have got out of its cage or its pen or whatever that you keep it in it's really funny because it was like a really funny a friendly i don't know if they're normally friendly like that it was clearly that whale was um trained trained you know it was, it was... but it's in the wild right i mean it's swimming around well, they, they think it might, it might have got out of wherever because it had the harness. Oh, okay. Like it had like a legit like, military harness. Oh, I thought it was just out like on patrol. Uh, I, they think it might have escaped, but they took the harness off of it. But it either, I think they said it could hold a weapon or a GoPro. <laughs> Did they call St. Petersburg and tell them they're beluga? I don't know. We have, you, we have your whale. <laughs> we have your harness. Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah. so you're, uh, you're, tweet, you're tweeting... Twitter game is on fire. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, I enjoy it. It's a good medium. It's a good way to communicate with folks. And yeah, that's what I use it for. That's what I want to talk about a bit as um, social media. I've actually started to radically change my view of social media in the last several months. Talk to me. Well, Bill, you watch Bill Maher? Uh, I don't watch him that much. I mean, of course, I know who he is and I've seen him a bit, but I don't regularly watch. Yeah, I watch every Friday. I love it. I mean, he's a really good guest and panel. And it's always a good discussion, and he'll, he'll get people like on the right. You know, he always says he tells people it's easy for some liberal to come on here, a progressive person. It's hard for like Grover Norquist comes on sometimes, and he said like Republican, you know, senators and congressmen, and he's always like, you know, to the crowd, like you know, be ni- like be nice, like uh-huh. you know, they don't have to come here. It's easy to go on Fox News uh-huh, uh-huh. or whatever. But um, they were just talking about social media and, t- and Facebook and just how much of a time suck it is and how much, how much, you know, you spend all this time on there. We all, a lot of us do. And then you just kind of start to realize like lately I've maybe in the last six months or I don't know, maybe longer. I'm just thinking like, why am I fucking like, what am I doing? I'm engaging with people and I'm, I'm the guiltiest one because for years I've kind of used Facebook. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of like really out there people that say, you know, very provocative things. So I'll put up, purposely provocative posts to get them going you know and this is like for years people have it's like a thing where it's like oh you know see landfield's posts a thousand comments but then i'm starting to think like a lot of these people i would never interact with them in real life like i would i would avoid them a lot of them because they're just mean or they're angry you know and and i've just started to like i've started to get rid of a lot of them and it feels so good yeah it's really satisfying when you block people or delete people or you know I mean, these platforms are designed to be 
addictive. I mean, I think it's like a drug. It is like a drug, and they want you to spend as much time as possible on there. So they have given a lot of thought and a lot of energy has, uh, has been put into what will keep people engaged, what will keep folks on there. Um, and I think they go on the slot machine model, you know, notifications and birthday Lights, this. And happy. Yeah, a lot of it is just, you know, psychology, basic psychology of gambling. You throw something out into the water, you see what kind of response you get. It's a push-pull interaction between, you know, the public and you or your friends and you or whatever. But, um, you know, it is like drugs or ci- or cigarettes or something. And But it also has utility, which drugs and... I guess drugs can, but cigarettes don't have any utility. But it's a tool. I think Freud would say it's an oral fixation. It's a fixation. It can be, and it can be abused. Um, It's taken me a long time to figure out how to use social media in a healthy way. Um, Obviously, I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in without it, whether that's good or bad. I don't know. it certainly impacted my life because uh-huh. I'd probably still be working for the state if it weren't for social media. Um, like I became a social media influencer presence and um, I did that through my writing and it was a vehicle for that and it wouldn't have um, proliferated as much without it, um, which is again, both good and bad. Um, well, we both we both have websites. I have like another political type news type thing and you have the blog. Yep. I, I guess mine's started as a blog, but it's, not even sure what I'd call it now, but I just, it's so, it feels so much better or it's more, I enjoy writing something on my website and then seeing what happens with it, even though I'll use social media to promote it. But like, you know, it's like I control it and then I can kind of see what, I can watch what happens and I'm in charge of that. Whereas like all this other stuff, you're not in charge of it. Right. I mean, I think you can adjust settings and do things to sort of, you know, to control it to some extent but yeah i mean that's what it's built for you're interacting with strangers um you're interacting with the with the whole world if that's how you want to do it um and i have all of my stuff has always been public i've always been really open about yeah, me too my, mine's all open and mine is too and um i know that that draws more trolls and more harassment than i'd otherwise have if i kind of limited the audience a little bit more but I don't want to do that because I want my writing and my thoughts uh, to be shared and that's why I write them it's for a public audience and it's always been that way and um, you know my strategy is to just tune out essentially um, like the more hostile elements of it well I think we talked about this last time you know Barry Barry Weiss she's worked New York York Times columnist yeah um, she had said something interesting. It was actually on Bill Maher. It was a while back, but she said um, he was kind of complimenting her and her writing and some of her, you know, positions. And um, she was like, you know, I, I don't even consider myself to be that smart, or I, I just, I just have opinions, and I'm not scared to put them out in public. And she goes, most people, and it's true, most people are terrified of telling the public what they think, right? right. So when you're somebody who's like not just willing to do it, but you consistently do it, like kind of you and I, you, they're like, this is not in, before there was just like no social media. So it was like, somebody might write a letter to the editor or somebody might, but now it's like, you put your opinion out there. And it's everywhere. And people, and people get either mad or happy, whatever they are, you know, but 
but, provokes but, a reaction. But when somebody's mad, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna say a lot more, and they're gonna be a lot more um, willing to say something than somebody who's happy or somebody who agrees with you. Yeah, I mean, and I think it takes a certain type of personality to want to share your opinions with the world and to court that kind of attention because um, it's both negative and positive. Um, it's sort of like a stage performance in a way, um, but it's, uh, or, you know, any sort of adrenaline junkie, I guess you could say. Um, it takes a certain type of personality to be the person who's going to put themselves out there like that because it's not easy. Um, but It's you like public, you know, they always say the biggest fear is public speaking, you know, for people. It's really, yeah. it's similar. I mean, you're not speaking necessarily, but you're, you're saying something controversial right in a public setting and then you deal with that's with the social media it just you know it, it just it gets so fucking negative sometimes and people I mean, i've had people threaten me and i mean you probably had this, you didn't you say somebody sent you like a weird message recently i've that, gotten a lot i get a lot of really gross messages <laughs> i mean that's a whole it's a whole different thing for um women i guess yeah because you're cute so i mean oh, thanks you're, you're cute so you probably get these guys right they probably send you i mean i can't even imagine i get but you some, shared one where didn't it like something like really you need to get fucked or I something? I predict all or? that kind of stuff. I mean, I get a lot of those messages and a lot of, I think the best one was a guy said, sent me a message that was like, you were my, it was like some like really gross mom fetish thing. And I'm just like, I cannot even with this stuff. So I just like delete those people, delete their messages and just kind of ignore it. Um, there's no way to stop it from happening beyond just like individually blocking people. Um, so I just ignore it. And I also, like I said on the last, the last time we spoke, I don't engage with comment threads very much. Um, I let whatever I put out there speak for itself. Well, that's the thing, you know, I, with this whole social media waste of time is, is like how many people do you know that have really changed their mind based on a social, like a comment thread or based on an argument. I mean, nobody changes their mind. I mean, and all that time you're doing that is time that you're not spending outdoors or with your friends or, you know, with family, whatever it is. It's like, you know, the older I get, the more I realize how finite time is and, you know, what deserves my time more, you know, my kids or strangers on the internet. And I'm just not going to give them my time. I mean, that's the most valuable resource I have. I mean, if, if I didn't have my uh, website, the landmine, I... I probably would honestly I probably would just get rid of Facebook but yeah but I but I keep it for that but also there is some utility I mean I meet people traveling or I have mm -hmm. friends that I grew up with or you know there's like there's like there's kind of two for me with my Facebook for example there's the people that I'm actually really friends with in real life mm -hmm. and people that I grew up with and people that I know and then there's that probably represents honestly probably 15 20 percent of I think I have like three or four thousand friends on there and I just keep and now it's like I get because of the probably the landmine stuff. I get c c five, ten of these a day. Yeah, and me too. a lot of them are like fifty mutual friends, hundred mutual. So they're real people, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, some of them are the fake bullshit ones, but but a lot of them are like real. So I'm trying to, and then I'll go check them. And that's another waste of time. I'm kind of like totally. now I'm like vetting. Like before, I would just kind of yeah. accept it. Now I'm like vetting who I accept because I, I'm like, are, are they like, are they a fucking nut? You know? Because I'll click on somebody recently, and it was like all their pictures were like like America freedom, like fuck libtards. And I'm like, I don't need this person like in my life, you know, <laughs> but that was like, their, you know, and then some people are, you just tell they have their kids and they have dinners and they, they, you know, they have a bunch of common friends. So it seems probably okay. But 
I pretty much accept, I accept most friend requests, not all, but even the kind of ones that seem to be sort of nutters because I don't want to be. Why didn't you accept me, bitch? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, and then the. See, it's like, it's like you can't win. You, you can't know. win. You can't win. But then the first Six, time. one, half, the, half, dozen, half dozen the other. The first time they send me a psycho message or really start to like, you know, deep troll my page, that's when they get blocked. And, you know, I've had, Twitter's different. Like, I've had to block more people on Twitter even than Facebook. Yeah, Twitter is weird. I mean, I, yeah, you probably have to deal with a lot because you have a huge following and then also you, you put out stuff that it's like. A lot of it's kind of funny and like it can spread quick. Like my, my stuff's usually links to articles. Yeah. Or yeah. it's very Alaska focused. Yeah. But your stuff is like appeal to like it could appeal to anybody. It's kind of all over the place, you know, like it's like, like national top. Yeah. 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 Like news, newsy stuff, but also, you know, lifestyle stuff. Like I think I'm going to go home later and write a blog post about the Patagonia power vest thing, you're, which I just thought was which so you're, hilarious. Which you're wearing right which now. Which I'm wearing a Patagonia vest. As Wait, I, I miss this. What is this about? It's not a power vest. Apparently, there's a run on. Well, apparently, Patagonia um, makes these custom power vests for Fortune 500 companies, but they're no longer going to be making them for. Well, like for com- like the, for the executives. Yes, or? for and but they're no longer going to be making them for companies that don't um, have certain environmental practices. So it set off this whole like quote unquote panic, according to the Wall Street Journal, like a power you, vest, a power vest that people are not going to have their aspiring tycoons they call them are not going to have their power vests and i'm just like this is totally blog worthy like occasionally that's still a term tycoon (laughs) the wall street journal used it in a headline turn of the the 20th century like a like a robber baron (laughs) not just not just tycoon aspiring tycoon so apparently it's something to aspire to i just heard a new term i shared an article um called woke scold Woke scold. Basically, it was about all these. They called them woke scolds who were bitching about Cinco de Mayo. Oh, and the, and the person who wrote it was like, just fucking calm down. Just have a fucking tequila. Have some tequila. Have a margarita. Have a taco. Fuck. Well, woke woke. I mean, that's all part of call out culture, right? You know, woke. It's a fine line bef- between going overboard with that stuff and really putting people in their place and teaching people to think differently about mm-hmm. the words you use to describe things. I mean, I've learned a lot in my four or five years doing this about, you know, the power of words and the words we choose to describe uh, people, places, uh, issues. Um, and it makes you think twice about language and how it develops and, um, you know, why it matters. And so, you know, the, the pen is mightier than the sword. So I think, you know, social media is actually a very powerful tool. Um, I don't think we would have had the last two presidents we have without it. Um, not mm-hmm. Obama and not Trump. So I think... Well, yeah, I mean, Obama, he was... I remember back in, when he, you know, the Facebook stuff. Yeah. He, he was huge on social he media. He was the first... And can- Trump with Twitter, you know? Yeah, I mean, and he really, Obama pioneered that. He pioneered social media as a political tool. I, I was thinking about... I was talking to somebody about this recently. I ran, I ran for the Senate in 2012 in Anchorage. And back then, it was like the fucking Wild West days of Facebook. I don't know if you ever... He was like Facebook for like a business or for like a campaign. But back then, um, now it's like, you know, they have the paid for buys and they have all these reviews and all this stuff. Back then it was fucking wild west. I mean, you you just sponsored something, you targeted it, paid the money. Like Mm -hmm. that was it. It was like there was no reviews. There was if there was, I didn't know about it. No, that was just so it was like the it was like the old like the wild west of, of, uh, you know, 
I've never paid for anything on Facebook. I've never paid to sponsor anything. I've never had an ad on my blog. I mean, that's the other thing. It's all been a hobby for me always. Yeah, so you don't make any. See, I, I make zero money. I'll, zero. I'll, I'll, I'll like, I, I don't do it as much now, but because it's growing a lot, and we have more followers. But um, I'd pay to like advertise the page, you know, uh-huh. and then I'd pay certain articles we do. We would spot, you know, you can boost them so you can share right. share share with certain people in Alaska. But it's um, it got to the point where I was like, man, this is like. You put fifty bucks or hundred bucks behind one. If you do that a couple times, you know, a week or month, I mean, it starts to become like real money. Oh, it can totally become real money. I mean, if it's your job to do that, one hundred percent, it's worth doing. It's just I, it's not my job, right? And so it's always been a hobby, and it's always been for fun. So I've always had the attitude of like, I don't want to monetize this because that causes, to, for me and for what I do in my life, it um, complicates my life to monetize that aspect of. Um, well, my, mine, mine, you know, I try to sell ads on my website and I've had some people that have been good and supportive, but I, um, I'm not, you know, scared to call people out or say colorful things. And there's so many people that they say, oh, I'd love to advertise with you, but I don't want to deal with like the repercussions of something you say about somebody and I get it, yeah. phone calls or, and I've had people contact my advertisers in the past, even recently this happened over something stupid. And they're trying people with ability to you know influence other people. Oh yeah. And um, but but then also even the, the advertisers I have, I'd be lying if I didn't sometimes say like, you know, just like not always, but once in a while you say something and you're like, you know, this is gonna kind of upset somebody. Yeah. But then you know I just kind of hopefully try to deal with people that are adults that like don't you know aren't like kids and they call you and yell at you about something you said that was funny that wasn't even a big deal and I mean I do think it's different when you have advertisers and you've got money in the game I mean for me like I said it's a total hobby and so I have the luxury of being able to just essentially say whatever I want and absorb the repercussions of that whether they're good or bad Um, and that's sort of been my guiding principle you know I I am where I am because I have a lot of opinions and I'm not afraid to share them um, and I enjoy sharing them. And it's just, I, I cannot um, constrain myself in a way that satisfies people. And I just can't please anybody. So I'm going to please myself by saying what I want to say. Yeah, so I mean, I'm <laughs> that, the same. That's my philosophy. Like, you know, I, I used to kind of write something and then I'd maybe think about, oh, how's this going to be received? And, you know, I'm, you know, you think about like what's going to, but now I just don't give a fuck. I mean, I just write, if I want to say something and I think it's worth saying, you know, I mean, I understand some people are going to get upset sometimes or, you know, some my friends might not like it, you know, because I have friends who are liberal, progressive people. I have friends that are conservative, Republican people and right. the whole gambit. So nothing you could. But the other thing is like is it's kind of going back to the outrage culture as mad as somebody is at you one day for something you said or wrote, uh-huh. like at least in politics, I've noticed like the next day or five days later, they're calling you. Hey, did you, you know, what's up? Did you hear about this? Like, yeah. But that outrage culture, somebody just made a good point to me yesterday about that and that was actually a couple days ago my friend in anchorage but the you know, outrage culture deal you know like he made a good point he goes you know the, the only way to like deal with it is to ignore it like if you're totally. the victim of it if, if you're because he made a good point it's the it's most like, powerful he, tool there is indifference is the most powerful tool you have indifference yeah. and ignoring seriously so, i mean those are the two most powerful tools in your arsenal to deal with flack so somebody once actually it was mike dunleavy told me this years ago um, i'll never forget this uh he said, what's the opposite of of, uh, of love? Indifference. Yeah, see? I said yeah. hate. He goes, no, indifference. It's totally the opposite because hate has passion and love has passion. And if you feel indifferent... See, I, I can't believe you knew that. Look at that. Yeah? Bam. Yeah. 
It's true. You think about it. Big you're Mike like, and I have something in see, common, it got, turns it, out. You and Big, maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe come back on maybe board. this will get me back on board. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. I mean, the opposite of love is indifference. Um, and it's something that I try to practice, and I practice sort of a Zen indifference towards... Um, Which people hate more than... They, they hate that more than you... Because then, then all of a sudden, and I'm guilty of this, like if I'd say something and it's targeted to get go after somebody for something they did that was wrong mm-hmm. you know i want them to come after me right and you're if they ba- don't baiting them on purpose yeah and if i if they don't i go fuck why aren't it's they? frustrating right you know? you go, well you're and you're trying to get traction and shares out of that and yeah i get all that um i i mean i have some basic rules for how i use social media and the kinds of things that i um i don't know no topic really is off base for me um you know when i worked for the state never blogged once about the state uh, of course, I don't blog about my professional life at all. Um, but, you know, my political opinions, my personal opinions, lifestyle things, all that's fair game. Um, I try not to drag anybody's looks. I try not to call anyone out by name that doesn't want to be named in there. Um, you know, I, I have certain rules that I kind of, in my mind, have developed over time um, that I follow. I don't take unnecessary pot shots. I don't I try not to be mean for the sake of being mean, um, or right. Yeah, so, some, sometimes, sometimes what's funny. Dave Chappelle said this. Sometimes what's funny is mean, yeah. but you're not trying to be mean. You're trying to be funny, right? But, and it's a fine line. But I sometimes mean, being mean is just being mean. It's right. not about being funny. It's just people are mean, right? And I I try to be funny without being mean. Um, I try. I am sort of mean to people that I think deserve it, like our president, for example, um, what does he care? Uh, but you know, I try not to, um, I try to use my platform to, to have, to contribute something to the world. I want it to be value added in people's lives. Mm -hmm. I want people to, whether it's for two seconds or 10 minutes or whatever it is a day, they read something I write, it makes them smile. It makes them think, you know, that to me is me doing my thing. Um, and if I've done that, then I've succeeded. Well, and talk, talk, going back to, you know, being mean or um, criticizing people, it it's kind of shocks me how many public figures are so thin-skinned and they get upset when you... And it's not something that's not even maybe a big deal or even something that's a big deal. Like, you are a public figure. You are elected to office. And it's incredible to me, especially in the legislature, how many of them just cannot take it. Well, and I think people just haven't figured out how to navigate social media yet. Um, you have multiple generations now yeah. um, living and working and using, in, living and working in this environment and using these mediums, these, this media. And uh, I don't think everyone's figured out how to navigate it properly. Well, especially I think older people that have didn't grow up with it, they're 50 or 60, you know, they have their whole different view on it than somebody like who's 30, you know, right. that, or 40 even that kind of has been around it for a while and they kind of figured it out. Right. I mean, I think it's just like cell phone etiquette or any other piece of technology. Um, people haven't really become comfortable with it and figured out, you know, how to how to use it productively. It's a very, very powerful tool. Well, these phones, I mean, there's my phone in front of me. It's like they become extensions of our bodies. It's you know? scary. It's like yeah. you can't be it without it. Yeah. And you lose it or you misplace it. And it's like separation it's, you know, anxiety. You may have may have well lost, lost your arm. Yeah. That's when I when I don't know where my phone is, I'm like freaking out. 
Um, and not because I'm attached to my phone, but it's like my whole world is in there. It's like I'm working from there. I'm emailing mm-hmm. from there. Um, you know, if something happens to one of my kids at school, that's where the nurse is going to call me. You know, it's like if I don't have that with me, I, do, I definitely you feel kinda like... You kind of just wonder sometimes about, oh, I mean, there's just 20 years or something, you know. They, you wonder how for thousands of years we, you know, or even like in recent history, you know, in the... Up until the phones, I mean, when did the phones really become a thing? Like in the nineties, late, late 90s. 90s, you know. So well, pe- smartphones didn't come, become a thing until like two thousand three or four. Yeah, because I remember when I was my first when I moved here. Um, you couldn't I even 19, get an iPhone I had here. the I had the razor. That was the big, you I know, had the a flip razor, razor too. like with that like shitty like not even megapixel camera. Yep. And you're, you know, like and not you had to and, text and, like with three different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight. Like a like and and like bad bad bad. Yeah, you have it was like Morse code. Morse code. Yeah. Yeah. No, I sometimes think back to because I graduated from high school in 1995, right when email was sort of getting off the ground. Um, And I remember sending my first email to a friend who was a year older than me at college. And I just like couldn't believe it. I'm like, my dad showed me how to do it. He's like, you can write Amy a note and it'll show up on her computer at school. And I was like, what? What? Yeah, it just blew my mind. Have you seen that famous clip of Katie Couric and... Um, it's Katie Kirk and I think Brian Gumble maybe, and they're like, "Internet, what's, it, what is?" It? He's like, "What is that? Is that an at? Like, is that an at? Like, you know the symbol?" Right. They're like dot com. What's a com? Have you seen this? No, but I can imagine it because I still I still remember what that was like. I mean, it's here, I'll, I'll very it much in my memory, and I, I you know I often think about like how did I used to communicate with people, because when I first got on Facebook, I remember thinking. This is so great because now I can keep in touch with everyone so much more easily than I used to. I'm was, gonna, you're gonna play. I'm it? gonna play this for you. I'm gonna put it on the. <laughs> have you haven't seen this? No. I'm gonna play this for you. I'll put it on the so you can watch it. I wasn't prepared to translate that as I was doing that little tease. Oh, that's that right. little mark with the A and then the ring around it. At. See, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie said she thought it was about. Yeah. Oh. But I'd never heard it. I'd never heard it said. I'd always seen the mark, but never heard it said. And then it sounded stupid when I said it. Violence at NBC. (laughs) Yeah, I heard it around or about the lunchroom. See, (laughs) there it is. Violence at NBC. Ge com. I mean, what Allison should know. What what is internet anyway? (laughs) Internet is uh, that massive computer network. Mm -hmm. The one that's becoming really big now. It's becoming really big. What do you write to it, like mail? No, a lot of people use it and communicate. I guess they can communicate with NBC writers and producers. Allison, can you explain what internet is? Oh, my God. No, she can't say anything in 10 seconds or less. Oh. <laughs> Allison will be in the studio shortly. What, is, what does it mean? It's a, it's a giant computer network made up, made up of, uh, started from... Oh, I thought you were going to tell us what this was. It's like a, look a in computer the billboard. It's, it's not in it. It's, it, it's, it's a computer billboard, but it's... Right. Here's Libby's face right now. Uh, oh my god. Right. And others can access it. <laughs> right. And it's getting bigger and bigger that is really insane. Handy during the quake, a lot of people, that's how they were communicating out. Was this 1989? When was it? In 94. It was 90, 25 years ago. Oh, because they talked about a quake. So Violence like, at NBC. That's what I said. He's like, calm. He's like, it's the internet. He's like, what, what you, what's the internet? Amazing. That's, 20, that's, that, that's when you were 95. That's, the well, same, that's right there. I remember like when hashtags were a number sign. It was called number, like the pound sign. Pa- pa- yeah, pa- pound yeah. or number. And now it's just hashtag. And my son, who's eight, was reading me an address with an apartment number on it. We were writing thank you notes. And I said, just read me the address. I'll write the address. And he said, you know, 285 um, Main Street. Hashtag 402. Oh, wow. So, because he, 
Because <laughs> he has no, number for he it. He has yeah. no idea that it's number. It's like an apartment number. He just thought it was hashtag. It was so, yeah, you go to that Katie Couric. I, I think that was a commercial a couple of years ago for something. I forget what it was. It was like a Super Bowl commercial. They, they went back and used it. But it's just so funny because he's like, that's what I said. He's like, violence at NBC. What does that mean? <laughs> What's dot com? What's yeah. the internet? Can you tell us, Allison, can you tell us what the internet is? Amazing. It's computers. And, and it's like hard to imagine life without it. It's only 25 it years ago. I know. I mean, I, I mean, I can remember my whole childhood and all of my formative years, like zero to 18, were without the internet. See, I, 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 I'm a little younger than you. I graduated in 03. But I remember distinctly, like when I was in high, middle school or even, I mean, I think I had a phone in high school. My parents had like one of those like bag phones. Remember those <laughs> you things? You took in the car, they're like gigantic. Yeah, yeah, it's like huge, right? It's like yeah. a bag. But you're looking back, you're talking on that. Like, that's definitely going to cause brain cancer. I mean, yeah, 100%. It's like a fucking bag and this huge <laughs> phone, piece of phone with a wire on it. Um, but I would like call my friends on the phone yeah. and they're, call their house. And, and, you wouldn't say, know, like, and you wouldn't know who it was that was calling hey, hey, you. Hey, you know, is Matt home? Uh-huh. Hey, you want to go out, play? You want to go play? You want to play or? It's oh, like, yeah. okay, where do you want to meet? Okay, well, see you there in 20 minutes, right. meet. Right, and then if you weren't there, you just weren't there, or you had to figure something. You had to make a plan and stick to it. You couldn't just text, I'm on my way, I'm coming in five seconds, I'm yeah, here, yeah, I'm yeah. there, that was that. Or I'd like go home and I'd be expecting something and I'd play like the, an- you know, you play the answering machine. The answering machine. You're like, ooh, who left a message? I still have that on my landline. I still have a landline with an answering machine. It's great. It's crazy. But it's just like, it's just we've changed our behaviors. Rad- I mean, Probably more so in the last 20 years than in some ways our whole history of humankind. I mean, I, I, I guess so. the, air, the airplane was a big shift and get, getting around, yeah. you know, yeah. like, like we didn't fly for a million, whatever, how many years people have been around and then we started flying. Right. And then fucking 30, 40 years later, we have like tr- commercial transport. And it's interesting that you bring up air travel because it has something in common with social media in that it makes the whole world smaller. Both of those things do that. And so social media has shrunk the world into a much more unified, accessible place because suddenly you have people all over the world that you can communicate with in five seconds. Yeah, whereas before it took five months and then it took five days or really long expensive long distance phone call or something mm-hmm. now you can do skype and um facetime and whatever and and of course twitter and facebook and messenger and i mean i have people that read my blog in a lot of different countries actually and so i can you know, communicate I, with them sometimes mine too it's funny because I, I don't know why but it's mostly alaska america but i can check the analytics oh yeah when you look i have at like the, i have yeah. like readers and like Vietnam, like some of them like are England. bots, yeah, I'm but, sure. Yeah. But then I have like England and Australia. I have yeah. friends in Australia, and I have like right. Russia friends in Russia. So like I have people, but like I can look at the map and I can see like all these places that you know it's, where people uh, are be, being it. read by. I mean, not huge numbers, but, but enough to you can see it. Yeah, and like sometimes I wonder are these are these bots or like are these real there, people? There's definitely this one bot because there's one city in the Philippines that always it always like because you can see real time in your mm-hmm. analytics, who's, and it's always just like Quanot, whatever it's called, and I'm like, why are like how the fuck do I know there? That I'm like, oh, it's probably some bot or some yeah, like, weird yeah. trying to mess with me. But it's made the world a lot a lot smaller of a place, which is also good, both good and bad, um, in the same way that air travel has. I do think it's the biggest game changer in terms of human interaction that's happened in the past uh, 20 years. I think, I think it's good in some ways, like you said, because you can connect with folks that you've maybe put forward and be able to. But it's also bad because I think we, I think we over-communicate. Oh, people. totally. I mean, and there's I, a lot I of miscommunication. Miscommunication. And then there's yeah. just like talking to people just for the sake of 
I don't know. You you just before like all this was around, you really had to put an effort into having a friend. Totally, <laughs> totally. Into being connected yeah. with somebody. Now it's like you can basically effortlessly, effortless, effortlessly communicate with somebody halfway around the world who you might have met someplace or somehow got connected with and you talk but you you never see them maybe right in your whole life you it just seems to me like there's good in it like you said but there's there's i feel like there's almost like a backlash right now where people are there starting is. to like say you know what i screw I'm, this, this. Is, i gotta detox this. yeah this is too much and I people can't. do it and they detox for a few months and then they realize well i kind of need it i mean that's the whole thing it becomes this tool that you actually do need especially if you're working in areas that are media based it's like you can't really do for example what you do without facebook and twitter you can't be in media really without those things um you can't be in a lot of fields without those Mm -hmm. things now so it you become dependent on them people become professionally dependent on them i mean i don't have any reason to be on that stuff and i could probably just do without it i have fun with it i've always had fun with it you know it's obviously has real world impacts on my life that weren't all not all of which were intended um, both good and bad, like I said, but I don't need it. I mean, there's now whole industries where you need these as tools. Um, the other interesting thing about it is, you know, especially if you have a smartphone, you know, there's nobody is actually like in your past anymore. Everybody's in your present. That little glowing rectangle is just like a pipeline to everyone you've ever known. Every Your estranged family, your ex-boyfriends or girlfriends. I mean, it's just kind of you know, back in the 90s, if you lost touch with someone, that was it. Like, they could be dead for all you know. Now you know what their 12-year-old son just, you know, won a soccer game or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like the, yeah, level no, it's of, true. the level of detail you know about relative to, like, the amount of the level of closeness you have to these people is astronomical. It's like, oh, before I wouldn't have even known if you were still alive. And now I know that your kid ate peas for dinner. I mean, it's just kind of amazing um, how the gulf between m- Zero information and maximum information. And well, it's, it's like over, our, it's our, an overload. Our, our brains, we've not evolved to deal with this. It's overstimulating. You no, know, we yeah. we've evolved to have a close group of family and friends and people, and you know, some people have more, some people have less. But now it's like we have to deal with constant information, whether it's you know, friend, family related, news related, and you have to deal with being able to process all of it. And yeah. keep up. And I mean, there's people that like, it, you know, because I have real friends. I have some very good real friends. And then I have people that I'm, I know kind of peripherally through politics or social media. And it's like what I've, what's occurred to me recently, it like struck me. It's like I communicate with people who I don't really give a shit about more than my friends. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's where it pays to put a lot of conscious thought and I'm, I need to take my own advice on this. Put a lot of conscious thought into how you use and consume these platforms because they really can overtake your life and your time in a lot of really negative ways. And I've now evolved to the point where I have or I try to have just times during the day that I don't look at that stuff at all. I've designated times you know, during the evenings where I decide I want to you know, engage or write something or tweet something or come up with a new idea. But um, not having that structure, uh, you can easily drift into the equivalent of chain smoking and just overuse the tool. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I wake up and I admit it, I check, I'm like, oh, what's, what's, 
What happened? Well, What's you want to know what happened, especially because, you know, we're four hours behind the East Coast and lots of stuff mm-hmm. that goes on over there. And, you know, for I tell myself, oh, it's, you know, I want to make sure everybody's okay, you know. And, you know, it's like the first thing I do is, yeah, what did Trump say on Twitter? And yeah, you know, how can or, I riff or, or, on or, this? I think with me, it's like I want to check, like, what, what some article I posted, what are the comments, like, is anybody... Has anybody sent me something message-wise? Like, mm-hmm. did some, someone say something like I have to, de- I have to deal with? Did you something know? blow up that like, I have to contend with? Right. I mean, I kind of like hate that. You know, it's like funny when I go on vacation or something, I'll just kind of disconnect from it or I'll turn it off. And it's just like, it, it feels good for a week. And then you're kind of like, oh, I gotta go back. You kind of need it back. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, and it's your, it's your day-to-day work too. I mean, again, like I said, people use these platforms professionally and you can't really do without them anymore and like it or not it's here to stay i mean so people are just going to have to learn including myself how to navigate it because it's not going anywhere it is changing though i mean you at facebook what they did with uh you know alex jones and lewis farrakhan and that milo mm-hmm. guy and mm-hmm. the deplatforming thing yeah and, and that that to me raises a whole different that becomes more of a legal question where you know the phone companies and that's what facebook has argued essentially their defense is if I pick up the phone and call you and say, I'm going to fucking kill John, mm-hmm. the phone company says, look, we don't, you know, it's a, we're a utility. We don't control what people say. Right. We just provide the service. And that's what Facebook's argument essentially was for a long time. Right. We're a utility. But now they're deciding who can be on there. So right. they're not a utility any longer. Right. And I guess the question is, what if somebody who they don't determine to be a problem, which how can you police? There's billions of people on there. Yeah. Does something and invokes and inspires someone to do something bad mm-hmm. who's now is it facebook's fault or is it the person's fault who did it it's a very or is it it's, both it's it's probably i mean this would be a good le- question le- legally i mean that's a good question to that would be a good separate podcast with lee honestly <laughs> Everybody, lee, yeah, lee, yeah. He's, he's a good lawyer yeah i mean that and i would love to pipe in on that too i mean there are this is a whole area of the law that i don't know very well but i do know enough to know it's very complicated and there are a lot of nuances to it um, and I think these are some of the really interesting questions about the intersection of um, the First Amendment and these private c- companies, which, of course, don't have a First Amendment obligation because they're not the government. But do they need to be regulated more heavily by the government? Um, and then what happens to the speech that occurs on there? Um, if it's expanded, restricted, what sort of liability do these companies have for how their platforms are used? Um, I would say if they kept it open and they used the utility argument, they wouldn't have any obligation. But now when they start to deem who's, you know, not appropriate for the platform or who engages in hate speech or who's, you know, engaging well, they're in- making a concession that they have a role to play. Basically, yeah, they're saying yeah. these people. OK, so they're going after the big ones, the ones right. everybody knows about. Right. But does that I mean, is there a level of somebody has so many reach or so many followers or so many? And then the other question is, you you, be, you also be, make these people martyrs, whether it's people like Farrakhan yeah. or whether it's people like yep. Alex Jones, and you know they're they're both kind of they have they say st- provocative stuff, but now it's like to their followers, they're like even even Snoop Dogg, just you see this? I didn't see the Snoop Dogg. He said uh, you take off Lewis because what they said was it's not just if it's like they're banned if you share stuff from them. If I share stuff. Like from Louis Farrakhan or from Alex Jones. Oh, you get banned. You too? get banned. Oh, somebody. I didn't know it already that. happened to somebody. So Snoop Dogg says, "I'm going to oh, keep sharing God. Brother Farrakhan's, you know, information, and if you don't like me, ban me." So now they're going to have to deal with a whole backlash of people who are big names who are fighting it. So it, it just, it just, they've opened a big, big, a big slip, Pandora box. Pandora's slippery, box, right? It's the floodgates, slippery slope thing. Um, you know, 
it's very, very hard, I think, to craft terms of service on these platforms that are going to encompass the types of speech that really don't have a place in society uh, at all because of how dangerous they they are uh, in terms of the real world violence. You know, there's that's what stochastic terrorism is. I mean, basically stoking people to violence and um, and how to stop that versus becoming a arbiter of propriety and policing uh, people's free and open discourse. Um, and that's a very hard line to draw, and it can be very subjective sometimes. So I think those are kind of that's going to be the next frontier, both legally and societal, societally. I think um, that's going to confront people like Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey, and it's something they've been wrestling with. I think for a long time. Yeah, I, I, it's I wonder, a Frankenstein's kind of a monster scenario that both of these platforms have gotten well beyond the control of their executives. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what because uh, Twitter's already been kind of doing this stuff um, as far as like deplatforming or banning mm-hmm. people. I mean, like Milo got banned from Twitter fucking years ago. Yeah. But I this think- is new for Facebook. I mean, this just happened. So I wonder if it was like pressure from society or pressure from investors or pressure for like who, who, why did they make that decision? Like who, who decided to say, fuck it, we're going to ban these people. I mean, it's, it's hard to say where that is. I think where, where that line is on any individual, um, sort of scenario but like you know I think where is the line like I think Alex Jones okay to talk about Alex Jones the line with him I think was the Sandy Hook truther stuff um when he did that yeah that was horrible I think that so that that you know and you have an instinctive reaction to that right it's like I'm a mother um when that happened I like couldn't stop thinking about it well and then he fucking admitted it was just like a, a, a a goof or, or not? A, I mean, it was basically a way to. I mean, he admitted like but a deposition so, that he said. It's so sadistic. So, so he didn't even believe it. But it's which makes it even worse. Yeah, yeah. And it's so sadistic and so kind of devoid of empathy and so sort of almost subhuman that everyone has a visceral reaction to that, right? So it's like, what are those things that we as human beings with who are properly wired, who are not sociopaths, who have empathy, what kinds of speech make us feel like okay, this is unconscionable? And this does not have a place in society. Um, and there is speech like that. There is. And so I think that's a good example of some. And that's why deplatforming can be really effective. Um, you know, the kind of the um, white supremacy stuff, Nazi stuff. I mean, all of these things that are just too close in time uh, historically uh, and have led to, you know, have the potential to lead to real, real world violence and have real world impacts. Um, you know, it's not an absolute right that you be able to just spread mm-hmm. whatever vitriol you well, want in the world. Certainly, if you're a private corporation, you can control who they who are uses private. It. Yeah, but they have used this kind of where utility. Def- but that I think that kind of goes away now. Far- Farrakhan's interesting because he uh, he definitely has some anti-Semitic views. I mean, he's said it. He's yeah. 9/11 inside. You know, the Jews did it, and, and the termites, know, and, and he, he calls you know, us termites. You know, he he said. I mean, obviously nobody d- disagrees. He he, but but I but. I, I also don't think I don't put him in the Alex Jones category. I mean, I, I, he's he's bad in a different way. I mean, I've I've watched a lot. Of, I mean, I've watched Alex Jones stuff. I've watched Louis Farrakhan stuff, and you know, they're 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 just like so radically kind of different in why they're so. I mean, they they they've kind of just decided, okay, well, here here, 
it seems like the, what's the rule? Like what's who, there is no who rule. decides what, right? There's no rule, and that's kind of where that's where the interesting line is. And I think you know you could talk forever about where that line is. And um, like did Zuckerberg decide? Was it the board? Like was it their executive team? Was it like a boardroom? Was it like I think we deserve to know like who who pushes the button? Right. I don't know who does or who makes those standards or who develops the terms of service or who decides what speech is you know so offensive and so unconscionable as to like you know to use a term of art in the law like shocks the conscience right it's like or another to quote so another a, supreme is that a real term it shocks the conscience yeah i like that i, yeah. like that. I also like uh what's my other favorite law term i um, chilling effect chilling effect right I, I like that term floodgates is another one or like um and i can't remember the supreme court case this was but i was on obscenity and the justice who wrote the opinion said you know it when you see it right it's like you know the kind of speech when oh you it was see porn it. I, I, yeah somebody said like like how do you define porn and it was like you know it when you see it you know it when you see it right and so i think you know it when you hear it um the kind of the kind of speech that just needs to be deplatformed because it's so it so shocks the conscience and it's so dangerous and horrible that most regular people who have a who are sane and empathetic are just like we don't want to live in a society with people saying stuff like this period so i mean is, is the is the rule you know, should the rule be people who have a huge following or a platform to, because I mean, there's people in the past, I mean, there's last year, I remember there was a guy who on Facebook, you know, made, made a very vile specific threat against governor Walker. And yeah. I remember, oh, they, yeah. They, the troop, remember that the troopers oh, yeah. were called I remember and that. Yeah. You know, like you gotta be really careful so, with that so, stuff. So this guy, I mean, this guy's basically saying he's going to, you know, cause harm to the governor. Yeah. Um, but he's some guy, he's like some nut. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So, but should he be? Because, I mean, he's not really, people saw it, it kind of was like a thing, it was, the police were involved, troopers got involved, but, you know, there's a difference between that guy and, you know, Alex Jones or Louis Farrakhan. Right. I mean, I think, you know, there's always law enforcement watching for that stuff with elected officials, certainly, as they should be. Um, But 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 should he be kicked off Facebook? Well, I think that the bigger your platform is, the more careful you need to be about how you use it. This is the Spider-Man quote. Oh, what's the Spider-Man? With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> That's what Spider-Man's grandpa told him. Or, I don't know, I think it was grandpa. With great power comes great responsibility. Right. And it, and it's certainly true in terms of the social media age. Um, the bigger you're following on social media, the more important it becomes to be selective about what you share, what you say, how you say it. And the bigger my social media following has become, the more aware I've become about the impacts, both, again, both good and bad, of what I put out into the world. Um, and I try to always keep that in the back of my mind when I tweet something or write something. Uh, I want to be sure that it's not going to have uh, unintended consequences um, while also retaining the authenticity that makes my work on social media what it is. Um, you know, it's, that's yeah, I, str- I struggle with the same... I- you know, Facebook tweet or post or a tweet's a little different than like an article, but um, yeah, I mean, I you, you can do something, and I've got a pretty big following here in Alaska. I mean, you can have real world imp- imp- implications on people or companies or you know. So you th- I, I find myself more and more kind of being selective or being discriminatory of like what I, which kind of bothers me because I'm not I don't normally think like that you know i'm like i want to say something i'll say it right but that, now all of a sudden you're like oh you're gonna cause it's, these 
you know, consequences or this well, blowback. Yeah. It's just what battles do you want to pick? You know, it's this, is this a battle worth, worth picking? Is this someone that you don't mind having pissing off or having adverse ramifications uh, from? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some stuff that I, I mean, I don't give a shit like that. I just did a story about this guy, Bob Penny's grandson, who, you know, um, Bob Penny gave a lot of money to this Dunleavy pack, like $350,000. Mm-hmm. And his grandson got a huge single source, sole source contract from Ada for 440 some thousand. Right. You know, so I discovered this. I got a tip. I got the, I got the records request. I got mm-hmm. the documents. And somebody, you know, said, well, do you really want to piss these people off? And like, I don't give a fuck that's a about that. Yeah, that I, mean, doesn't ma- that, I mean, it doesn't matter to me because no, I agree with that's you. important public I information. Agree with you. I mean, that's a, that's a story that's in the public interest that I think the public does deserve to know about. And I mean, that's where what you're doing is very different from what I do, which is just silly and for fun. Um, you know, you're doing actual public interest um I don't know, if you want to call it journalism, blogging, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's having a real impact, right? And so the very fact that it's having a real impact is going to necessarily force you to think about where you want to utilize that. Right, so, so, where do you so, want that to hit? Where so, do you want that meteor to drop? And are you going to be able to deal with the blowback? So, so there's that, which is like, I don't give a shit. That's important. But then there's like, what's an example? This was I thought was very funny and it kind of, it's fine now, but it caused some people, some one person, some problems. Remember Gabrielle Ledoux and the the video where she was the the, the semen bill. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. she asked the question about, yeah, well, what if, what, if, what if you into jerk off into a per handbag, right? It was hilarious. And it was hilarious. <laughs> and I, I took it out. Of, I took that just that question. I put it on Facebook and Twitter in a video. And um, you know, she let's say she, she wasn't thrilled about it because without the context, you know, it's funny. But but then she's having to deal with all these people. You know, and I think it's funny. It's it's like I was on the record and all that. But you look at something like that and you're like, to me, that's not important. It's funny. Right. But there's many examples of things where you're like, you know, is this worth, you know, the and that's kind of a funny, that's probably a bad example. But there's just things that you, you post that you know are going to cause somebody grief or maybe unnecessary kind of worry about something. Yeah, I mean, I've had a few incidents like that and I've learned my lesson about that. And it's, you know, I have these sort of you know, unwritten, unspoken rules about what I post and what I say and how I say it um, that are evolving based on different people that I've pissed off over the course of the past five years. And then there's others that I don't care about pissing off. Um, But it's very very case by case. I actually like, I actually enjoy really like pissing off like very powerful people, very wealthy people because because they normally can control that stuff. Mm -hmm. They, They have an ability to, you know, prevent stuff like, like, but with me, I mean, what are they going to do, you know? I mean, that's one of the really good things about social media is that it really has democratized and equalized information. Of course, the, that's one side of the coin. Well, that's a two-sided, that's, that's a double, two-sided, double-edged sword because then you have sword. bad inf- people that right. put out crap that, uh, that's why we're mm-hmm. probably in the, some in of the mess the we're in right now. you're in and you have to be able to be discerning. You have to look at the source. I mean, like, you know, I have older relatives that still think, Every single source of information is the same degree has the same degree of legitimacy and trustworthiness. Yeah, no, people see a, a nice looking website that looks good, that looks same as New York Times, or it looks the same as the Atlantic or something, but it's some fucking crazy propaganda partisan thing. And then, you know, people read it and especially if it's if it's if it's written well, it sounds good. It yeah. Seem you know, so they, they, they kind of conflate these things with being the same. Right. I mean, we're in an era where you just have to be a lot more discerning about 
where you're getting your information and you have to question the source of everything and I've been bitten on this too I'm like oh this is hilarious and you know basically harmlessly but you know retweeting or sharing things that later turn out to be like I mean, a hoax or bullshit or whatever but it's like you got to be really thoughtful well, and about there, that stuff. there was something recently I forget what it was but it was something that was like relevant to what's going on and I was like no way and then I, I clicked it and it was real but it was like from three years ago right right sometimes those you things know? are old and right. it's like Obviously, somebody's trying to, you know, trick people or think this is like... Or I think just it was, drive traffic, you know. Yeah, but it was just like, it was, it was the person sharing it, I think it was, I think it was about Facebook. It was like Facebook bans or something. It was like some weird thing and it was like, I click on it, it was from like 2016. Hmm. And I was like, you know... You, this is old news. You share that, you look like an idiot. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're coming up on an hour, which is much longer than normal, but you're interesting and... Oh, thanks. Good conversation, so... Yeah, always. Plus, you're the currently the top, your first podcast we did... Is the top landmine podcast ever right now? You, you've <laughs> That's more awesome. than Senator Murkowski, more than Senator Sullivan, more than Big Mike. Well, maybe this will be like the Godfather too, like this could the be sequel, yeah, the sequel yeah. that wins the Oscar. Big Mike's catching up though. He's he's he, he's got quite a view. Well, I'm sure he does. But, that was but, a big that was a big fish you landed you, there. You, you overtook um, Don Young and Senator Murkowski like three days, probably because you shared it, right? Yeah, I shared so, it. So you have yeah. a big, that's probably why, because, yeah. I mean, it just like, it was like, bam, I was like, click, check the analytics on the podcast. I'm like, wow, what the fuck? It's that's like, I'm awesome. popular. And then I'm like, oh no, Libby shared it. She's, <laughs> she's popular. Two social media stars clashing swords or collaborating together or whatever. Well, it's fun. I like talking to you. So I'm leaving next, end of next week from Juno here, Juno. So we should try to do it again. Definitely. And we could. Make it a hat trick. What are we calling it? Libby and Landfield. Libby and Landfield. There it's you good, go. It's a good, it's a good name. All that's right. Well, one. we'll do it again. Thanks again, Libby. All right. Thanks, thanks for coming to the Driftwood over here. You oh, know, yeah. It's where no it, problem. Where it, where it, it's a the part, of the, part of the full Juno experience. It's where all the magic happens. Staying at the Driftwood. If you, if you come to Juno, you got to stay here, <laughs> especially long term. All right, folks. We'll uh, talk to you next time. And if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me, let me know and we'll, we'll make it happen. Peace. Landline.